an alpine mountain, unusual movements right before, an arrow to the back, death by an unknown person or persons, murder in the Alps. Today you'll hear the story behind one of the most famous murder mysteries of all time. His name was Otzi, and at around 40 years of age, with extreme stomach pains and a severely injured hand that was nearly cut all the way to the bone, he was killed. But by who and why? A murder mystery that has puzzled everyone for years. The murder of Otzi, the Iceman, today on The Learning Lab. Welcome back to another episode of The Learning Lab. I'm your host, Nick Warren, broadcasting from Maple Ridge, British Columbia. Today, we're going to travel back to hear about the death of Otzi and also the discovery of his body. It was a day that Helmut and Erica Simon had been looking forward to for a while. It was a day they were going for a great hike in September of 1991. Although the season was just changing from summer to fall, the summits of the Alps along the Austrian-Italian border were covered in glacial ice and snow. One of these peaks, the Simulane, reached more than 11,800 feet into the sky. Its sides were covered in deep trenches in the ice called crevasses. The experienced hikers were slowed by these crevasses and a single misstep by them, either way, would swallow them up without hope of ever being rescued. Because of these conditions, the Simons continued toward the summit, and although they had planned to climb up the mountain and back down in a single day, the dangerous trail conditions that made that goal now impossible. After they reached the top of the peak, Helmut and Erica Simon decided to stay overnight in a hiker's lodge on the mountain. And at the lodge, the Simons met a couple from Austria who invited them to climb the summit of another mountain the next day. So early the next morning, on September 19, 1991, both couples set out to climb the top peak and the two couples made it to the top. And after taking some pictures, they said their goodbyes and took different trails down the mountain. The Austrian couple turned on a path toward the Otzo Valley, while the Simons headed back down toward their lodge. They were soon delayed, though, because their path was partly blocked with melting snow and ice. But instead of finding another trail down from the summit, Helmet led the way around the melting ice and snow. And by taking this minor detour, the Simons stumbled upon one of the most fascinating finds ever, and something that would baffle people for years to come, and a murder mystery that many would think was unbelievable. On the summit of this peak, Helmut had been disgusted when he noticed several pieces of broken glass from a champagne bottle the summer tourists had left behind. Now along the trail back to the lodge, he spotted something sticking out of the snow ahead of him. Helmut assumed this object was just another piece of trash left behind by careless tourists. A moment later, however, both he and Erica, his wife, realized what they were seeing. It wasn't just a piece of trash, and it wasn't a broken glass from a champagne bottle. It was a human body lying half buried in the snow. The body was face down, and from what the Simons could tell, it was naked from the waist up. The corpse was bald, 
shrunken. The couple inched closer and closer to the body. They saw the person suffered a severe blow to the head, which had left a massive wound on the back of his or her skull. When Eric and Helmet looked around the body, they found some birch bark wound with leather, leather laces. Erica thought perhaps a bird made the contraption after the body lay there for quite some time. The couple decided to continue down the mountain toward the lodge. They thought the body was that of an unfortunate hiker or mountain climber. And that night they reported the body to the lodge's caretaker, Marcus Perpammer. Perpammer had grown up in the mountain. He was the son of the head volunteer of the Australian village's Alpine rescue team. And when the Simons told him they had found a body, Perpammer asked them where the body was and what condition it was in. He told the Simons he would handle reporting the body to the police. Perpammer knew deciding which police to call, the Australians or the Italians, would be tricky. Because remember, these Alps are on the border. Even though he was familiar with this peak where they found the body, he was not able to immediately determine if the body lay in Italy or Austria. Perpammer decided to call both in the town of Solden, Austria, and in the nearby village of Italy. After making phone calls to both authorities, Perpammer ventured out to locate the body, and he found the corpse as just the Simons had described it, face down in the snow, naked from the waist up, serious wound to the back of the head. But Perpammer's eye also spotted several objects around the body. He found hide of a chamois, a goat-like mammal native to the Alps, an axe with a wooden handle and a metal blade, and what seemed to be a long, whittled wooden walking stick. He also spotted the birch bark around, bound with leather straps that the Simons had discovered. And after taking a final look around the site, Perpammer then decided to head back to the lodge. And now time for our one and only commercial break, brought to you by my kids, Nolan and Audrey. Enjoy. Norman, who's your favorite superhero? Iceman. Why? Because he's really cool. Knock, knock. Who's there? Ice. Ice who? Iceman. It was decided that this body was in fact in Austrian territory. They used the tourist map to determine where the corpse lay, and they decided that the body was in the Austrian jurisdiction, and so they decided to lay the groundwork for recovery. So the next day, on Friday, September 20th, 1991, the Austrian police sent Anton Kohler, a regional inspector from the Oslo Valley, to discover the body, or to recover the body. Kohler took a helicopter to the site, where he met Perpammer, and Perpammer led him to the body, and the two men attempted to dig it out. Half the body was stuck in the ice, and Perpammer and Kohler had a difficult time removing it. Kohler had brought a small jackhammer that ran on compressed air, and Kohler and Perpammer used a jackhammer to chip away at the ice surrounding the body. The men soon discovered the corpse was draped over a large boulder, and the body's left arm was crossed under its chest, and its right arm hung down into the ice. The body's placement made it difficult for Kohler to get a good angle on the ice. He hit the body a few times with the tip of the jackhammer, tearing the skin apart. After about an hour, the jackhammer's compressed air ran out, and the weather turned threatening. The men decided to leave the corpse exposed, still stuck in the ice. 
They took the axe Perpammer had sparred the day before him. Kohler and Perpammer spent the next day attempting to dig out the body with no success. They covered the corpse with a plastic tarp, so it was not visible to hikers trekking to and from the final summit of that peak. Over the next few days, a number of mountaineers and locals headed up to the peak to look for artifacts and see the body. Several tried to remove the body, but all attempts were unsuccessful. Then, on Monday, September 23rd, a reporter from an Austrian television network flew up to the site by helicopter to film the rest of the recovery. And on the way up to the site, the helicopter picked up Perpammer, who was able to direct the pilot on where to land. And soon, a second helicopter landed with a two-man recovery crew from the Austrian government. Then, a professor of forensics from a nearby university in Austria worked in with an ice pick and ski pole to clear the ice and snow from the corpse. Eventually, the ice gave way and the men were able to see for the first time what the corpse's face looked like. The corpse's eyes and mouth were both open. And professor, who observed the body, noticed it was partly mummified. He placed the corpse face down in a body bag and continued analyzing the area around where the body had been. After some digging, with the ice pick and the ski pole, they found a small knife with a blade made of stone. They also discovered a grass mat draped in a boulder and a small bit of leather. The men managed to extract the long, whittled stick. Perpenner had noticed that it had come out of the ice. And although they had to break the stick to do so, in all, it only took the team approximately 70 minutes to remove the body and the rest of the artifacts. The team flew the body in a helicopter to a nearby city in Austria where it was placed in a wooden coffin and taken to a forensic university. There, scientists quickly realized the body, some had thought was lost hiker, was in fact not. And in fact, it was thousands and thousands of years old. Now, they knew Otsu was old. They weren't sure exactly how old, though. So they began identifying and they began analyzing many of the artifacts that had been around or on Otsi and his body. So what they found was first he had a long narrow stick. Remember this is broken in two. They determined the stick was a bow actually. At the time the bow was one of only a few of its age known to exist anywhere in the world. And even though it was broken at one end, they believed the bow had been shaped like a D, like the letter D. And it would have stood approximately as tall as a person. And there were small willing marks up and down the surface of the bow. And he wasn't a surprise. He also used his bow as a walking stick to help him when he was climbing up the mountain. However, there was no place to attach the string to the bow. And this led scientists to infer the bow maybe was unfinished. It was in the process of perhaps being made, but not quite there yet. So next they looked at his unusual axe and they noticed the blade was heavy and had a dull edge, maybe from frequent use over time. Maybe he had used the axe just to make the bow and he wasn't quite finished. But what impressed everyone about it most of all was the way that this axe was crafted. The handle was created from a piece of wood that came from the part of a tree where the trunk had met a large branch which have made it very strong. And whoever made it had put a notch in the branch end where the blade would, would rest. And so it was very well made. 
Another weapon that was found with O2 was a flint-bladed dagger. And during analysis, they noticed it was about 8 centimeters long and was fastened to a handle made of ashwood. And the blade appeared to have been used well. Its edge was worn from frequent sharpening and then a serrated part of the edge as well. After many tests, it was concluded that Otzi wasn't 1,000 years old, he wasn't 2,000 years old, not even 3,000 years old, but approximately 5,300 years old. We also know, according to Chief Inspector Alexander Horn of the Munich Criminal Investigation Department, that the cause of death was most likely due to an arrow that hit him in the left shoulder blade and caused massive bleeding. But there were no witnesses to this crime, at least none that we can ask, or none that we know of. But by examining how deeply the arrow penetrated Oti's body, Horn, Chief Inspector, was able to determine that the arrow was shot from behind, from quite a distance, approximately 30 meters or so, and likely surprised Oti. He thinks that if Oti was shot at close proximity, the energy would have caused the arrowhead to travel into his back and exit, but instead it remains near the shoulder blade lodged in there. But it was the Iceman's right hand. Remember you heard the right hand badly injured. The helped Horn, Chief Inspector, imagine how the crime went down. He says it shows signs of being badly injured with what Horn calls a defense wound. This is what his theory is. One or two days before the murder, there was a fight. Oti was part of that fight, and he managed to defend himself, grabbing a sharp object like a knife. He had a massive injury to the hand, almost cut right to the bone. And Horn says that wounds show signs of an earlier healing, so it didn't happen right when he was killed. So the fatal blow looks like a continuation of a previous argument. And from a behavioral perspective, Chief Horn says, Taking aim at Oti from far away suggests that the killer might have learned from a physical direct fight one or two days before, which didn't go well. So the decision was made to kill and shoot him from a distance. Kind of violence escalation is familiar to many modern criminal investigators. Usually doesn't start with murder, but there is an escalation. There's other violence before. And if you look at Oti's case all this time ago, more than 5,000 years ago, you have the same things we have today in cases like this. You have conflict, not just a verbal conflict, violence. You have to defend yourself. Then you see the next step, and it escalates. The next step in this case, I'm going to follow this man. I'm going to follow him up the mountain. He's injured. I'm going to stalk him. I'm going to follow him. And then I'm going to attack him from a distance because this man's obviously dangerous. Oh, he's a dangerous man. And he's not worth fighting up close. He's going to fight back and injure me. So I'll get him from a distance, and I will murder him that way. Nobody knows truly who killed Otsi, and we may never know. But we have new clues that were just uncovered in the past couple of years. So we have an Otsi update. Remember in the intro, you heard about this extreme stomachache that he was suffering. Well... It was found that he had some moss found in his gut. And experts believe that O.C. sustained this injury on his hand. 
two, three, four days before the fight. Well, two of the types of mosses found in his gut are these antiseptic mosses that are found lower down on the mountain. And many experts believe Otsi used these mosses to, to kind of help his badly covered hand, his hand that was cut, remember, almost to the bone, start to heal. And these tiny pieces of moss would have been stuck to his bloody fingers as there was lots of blood with this cut all the way almost to the bone. So experts believe that when he was eating his food, his bloody fingers, which had some remnants of this moss on it, were ingested into his body. And then he would have ingested these plants by accident as well, causing extreme stomach pains right before his death. So this is a new route that experts believe may have contributed to part of his death in terms of him being slower, getting away from his attacker because of these extreme stomach pains. So why he died? Exactly, we may never know. We just have these clues. And who killed him? We may never know as well. The mystery of Oti the Iceman is considered the oldest murder mystery on earth.